Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Bathurst 12 Hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It is the Repco Bathurst 12 Hours for 2024. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, as it is here at Mount Panorama coming on to, well, exactly, actually, half past two in the afternoon. And this is our third of four free practice sessions today. The green light at the end of the put line means that we are ready to go. And this is the session where any driver is allowed to go out. We've had our first of what will be two bronze driver-only sessions, which obviously precludes everybody going out because not all of the cars have a bronze driver. The full pro-class cars... Uh, have well actually some of them do have a bronze driver in them but uh, they're they're working the rules uh, a little bit which is something we'll talk about in a moment or two Valentino Rossi birthday boy 45 years fast he is today and heading out onto the track for WRT Uh, he is in the traditional colours of BMW Motorsport which Rather like Martini, uh, BMW M stripes, Richard Creel, cannot make a car look worse. Uh, you are accurate in that assessment. John Honoff, good afternoon to you. Hello, everybody. Whether you're here at the circuit, one of the many, many campers around the precinct or joining us today, a host of school kids got the morning off. That never was ever presented to me in my school days, Garth Tander. Never an option. Would you kids like to go to a racetrack? <laughs> nah, never happened, and I'm still grumpy about it. So lucky kids got to come out here today. Um, there are a heap of them walking around the paddock. It was outstanding. That's the scene in the paddock campground. There they are. Look at that. Enjoying it. Some of the new shade that's been installed on the pit straight for this year. This is an interesting session. It's another 40-minute session, which in the context of this event is not a long time. The thing to look at for this session is pit lane being a little busier. This is the first, what they define as a hot session, which means teams can go into full race prep mode from a pit stop point of view and actually put fuel in the car. So they can go through the full sequence of tyres, brakes if they want to, and refueling for the first time this weekend. So that is something worth it. Now, what you've just seen there, Garth Tander, jumping out of the seat, is something that I also never got to do. It's a circuit safari. Oh, my goodness. So a bunch of very, very lucky VVVIPs and a couple of journalists have been put in a van uh, and are getting the full experience on the outlap of the practice session. This is not a renegade vehicle on the racetrack. This is... Absolutely pre-planned, ready to go, course car behind it. That is uh, potentially a lap record for a Mercedes Sprinter. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. Much. It's very popular in Japan yeah. in all types of racing. And I remember the first time I saw it in the WEC uh, at Fuji, it completely blew my mind. Uh, they're being guarded by a course car here because of the up and down nature and the reduced sight lines at Mount Panorama. At Fuji, it was 
four single deck 52 seat coaches <laughs> spread out and the drivers were told get as close to them as you can <laughs> yeah. i kid you not so we had full le mans uh, gt le mans cars lmp2s and lmp1s cutting through them and at one of the times we did it it was wet <laughs> it was incredible it, that's not been done here before has it no no, it was done at Sandown a couple of years ago. Yeah, but not in a, an active session, though. That was a demonstration yeah. session yeah. with with the safari bus on yeah. track in the middle of a demonstration yeah. of Nissan yeah. cars, it was that at was the time. Nissan. And, uh, but if, not in a, in a, in a <laughs> green actual yeah. uh, part of the actual race meeting session. I'll, I'll say two things about that. One, event director Shane Rudd is, is very persuasive. And two, event... Um, race director James Taylor is um, very forgiving, I think, yes. in terms of allowing it to happen. So those lucky people on that, I couldn't help. We all missed that invite. But anyway. Yeah, well, we have other things to do. <laughs> oh, but you've got portable gear. Like, well, there's no true. reason why we couldn't be set up in the back of that with a bit of Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get down to business, shall we? Uh, the National Storage Racing Car Run by 888 Race Engineering is driven by Will Brown. There we go. Peels off into pit lane. Bounce the thing over the curbs. I'm talking about the circuit safari, not Will Brown, uh, and that's now clear of the race. Well, track, it, is a, so. it is a hot pit lane, Rich, yeah, so I'd right. expect that the safari bus will come in, refuel, change tyres. Yep. Send it. <laughs> change guests. Change, yeah, that's yeah. Good. change have, guests. Have a passenger change yeah. as opposed to a driver oh. change. Yes, very good. But like basketball, 5 off, 5 on, and in that case, it's 18 <laughs> off, 18 on. Uh, six tyres changed, because twin wheel by Axel. Oh, that's great. Potential for having some fun with that is almost endless. Brilliant. And with that, we're already five minutes into the session. Uh, so we were watching Will Brown, who makes his official racing debut with Triple Eight this weekend. Jump into the supercar with that team next weekend. He's got miles here in GT cars, though, and in a range of different racing cars. So looking forward to seeing what he and Brock Feeney can do in Triple uh, Eight. Jordan loves behind the wheel of Double Eight. So the team car, the JMR Triple Eight entry. Dries Van Thorpe behind the wheel of car number 32. We're riding on board with 46, which is driven by Valentino Rossi. You've just come from a chat with the Dr. Garth and uh, second time here this year. You'll catch that package in our broadcast tomorrow after midday. Looking forward to hearing from him. But what sort of vibe was he giving out? Uh, really, really positive about uh, coming to Bathurst last year and and experiencing the circuit, he, he, he knew about the history of the race. He knew it was a very special place to come and race at. Um, he was, um, yeah, glowing about the run across the top of the mountain. I asked him, I said, what's your, what's your favourite part of the track? As, mm. you know, race car drivers always have that favourite bit. And he's mentioned that it was the run from Skyline all the way down to Forest Elbow. He loved okay. that S's, the change of direction. Um, and it sort of, it, you know, as he was speaking, I was starting to get visualise him changing direction on a MotoGP <laughs> bike and swinging the thing from side to side. It was so it was interesting to hear that um, he actually did say also he, he didn't drive in the morning practice sessions that we've had so far, and he will do the entirety of this forty-minute session. Yeah. This one, so get plenty of miles for Valentino to become comfortable in the car here mm. again for his second attempt at the Bathurst twelve-hour. Um, but yeah. He loves the place. Can't wait to crack into it. He's basically, in the Italian version of us, I just can't wait to have a go. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Going down through the BMW ML board, just laying a little bit of Pirelli rubber as he comes out of there in the BMW GT3. Uh, 
resplendent, of course, with a little bit of Valentino Rossi bright yellow on it, including the number 46. And if you've got the onboards, he's got the 46 bright yellow racing gloves as well. You, you don't understand the level of fandom that oh. this guy has until you see the effect in the flesh. It's all well and good to watch MotoGP and see the grandstands at Mugello with the yellow and all of that during his, his racing career and, and even the Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit. And I've not had the fortune of seeing him race a MotoGP bike there. But until you actually see it and the people in the autograph session that were at the town to track yesterday that were there for hours before the cars arrived and 90% of them were all wearing big 46 t-shirts or big wigs and they've got their helmets and things like that. It is truly remarkable. The level of fandom that this guy has. And, and he's, he's understands it. He appreciates yeah. it. I mean, we were talking off camera before we started recording the piece earlier. And the first thing he said, he goes, how big's the crowd going to be here this weekend? Really? How big was the crowd last year? And how big is the crowd that you get at the 1,000? Oh, right. So he's, wow. he, he gets it. He understands yep. that, what that level is. I said, well, mate, I think the crowd we had here last year for the 12 hour was the biggest we've ever had. Yes. And that was all because of you. Yeah. And, and, and he just said, he goes, no, 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 it's everyone. It's everyone. I said, well, Valley, with respect, you had a lot to do with yeah. it. <laughs> and I thought it was because I was part. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah. If he, you know, he's coming to Le Mans. Uh, he, he was at Le Mans to do the Road to Le Mans race, the, the warm-up race uh, for the uh, Michelin Pilot, um, sorry, Michelin uh, Le Mans Cup. Uh, and uh, that was big. In the main race at Le Mans, there will be grandstands that are yeah. all yellow. And it will be absolutely incredible. Well, it'll be like the MotoGP race there, won't it, when he was at the peak of his two-wheel prowess. Those Road to Le Mans races were completely and utterly balmy <laughs> last year too. I don't know how he worked his way through those, but he'll be fine for 24 hours now. Yeah. No problems. That's so, a good point, actually. He's already driven the truck. Yeah. Yeah. So David Reynolds, quickest. With a 205.85 as he becomes, for this weekend at least, a factory Mercedes-AMG driver based on the recommendation of Maro Engel, linked up with Mercedes-AMG team Grupa M Racing, who have got an incredible track record in this event. And I have to admit, there was a little surprise, given that team has always come here with three internationals. Um, when they entered, and I saw D Reynolds listed alongside Maro Engel and Philippe Fraga, it's like, well, that's that's different. It's not bad, different, good, different. But Dave Reynolds' career in Australia has been extremely well documented and extremely successful. I like it. It's going to be a really interesting little combination, those two. In our uh, track to town uh, that we recorded on when one as it Thursday, um, I, I put that to him. And he was looking. He was looking resplendent in his full. He was rocking the Mercedes. The most corporate he's ever looked. And, and exactly what I thought. So he's got the Tommy Hill figure on. He's got the shirt on. He's rocking it there. And I said to him, "You look good in that. You, you're not, not giving that back." And he said, "No." And there was some serious chat between him and I about the Nurburgring. No, and he, he wants to get his permit for the Nurburgring. And uh, and I think he's talking to tomorrow and, and AMG about that. Some dates for the Nurburgring have now come out for the NLS, uh, the the current version uh, of that particular uh, or the races around the 24-hour race, um, including a double header on the 6th and 7th of April. It'll kick the the season off, and we'll have coverage as ever for you across 
RSL in sound and vision leading up to the 24 hours. So that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, one of two shell-coloured cars in the race, just coming to the, the end of its lap. And this is the, uh, this is the Porsche version of the shell colours down in the final corner at Murray's now. Turns in a little bit of turning oversteer there. Still maybe getting the Pirellis up to temp and pressure. Although I say that with 11 and a half minutes into this uh, GT. Yeah, you would have thought with the with the track temperature being up that the tyre temp will be fine. It's probably actually going the other way now, John, that the tyre is actually going over, over pressure uh, very good. And, uh, and getting some oversteer. We took the onboard shot from Valentino's car in the 46 BMW M4 and had big over rotation in the mid-corner at the chase as he tried to flow speed through there. So, so just an adjustment from the teams and drivers to understand the track conditions very much the conditions that we expect to have mid-race Sunday afternoon and this is where you've got to do the grunt work in the race and have the car balance where it's not going to bite you, it's going to have a car that's comfortable and you'll be able to flow it through this section of the circuit so whilst we were not expecting to see the Hollywood lap times it's a very important session to make sure you have the car balance that you want I know the start is spectacular and I know the finish is exciting but I love the middle part of this race I like seeing the race development if we're blessed with long green flag runs where you see the drivers pitting themselves and taking a tenth here, half a tenth there, and all of a sudden two cars that went out together at the start of a stint, there's 20 seconds between them. And I, I love that part of the race. It's like, for those who follow cricket, it's day three of a test match. You know at the moment they're not smashing England it out of the park. England test matches are normally over by day three. We've either won or lost that. very badly. You know they're not smashing it out of the park. There's not wickets falling every five minutes. But you know what's happening then is vitally yeah. important to what happens on day five, or in this case, in hour 11 to 12. Yeah. So, Lauren Vantor goes fastest to the 204.85. Former pole position winner here in the Alan Simonson Pole Award. Was last here in 2020 driving a Porsche with Earl Bamba Motorsport with Earl Bamba and Craig Lowndes. Uh, great to have him back. And for the second time today, the brothers are one and two. This time it's Lawrence in front of Drees. But uh, earlier today it was Kelvin in front of Sheldon. I was chatting to Kelvin actually and he said there's a few people in this field in a little chat group, a WhatsApp group they've got going on. And at one point, uh, four members of that group were one, two, three and four. He thought the banter was going to be quite good if that continued over the weekend. Spring in Shear, Adam, for free practice three. She's down in the pit lane. It's just clouded over a little bit, Shear. How's the temperature going? Hot. It is very warm down here, and I'm not just saying that because this is a hot session, meaning that you should be in your fire suits if you're going to be in the pit lane because of the live refueling and the tyre changes. And I've seen a lot of pit stop practice so far up and down the pit lane. I've made it all the way down to Team 19, so one of our GT4 cars. Usefully, the number is 19. It's easy for us to remember. Wanted to chat with Adam Christodoulou. He's not getting out of the car just quite yet. And the reason I wanted to talk to Adam is because he is a factory Mercedes driver. But we don't think about the factory drivers not being in the factory cars. But that is what is, in effect, happening this weekend. Adam's driving a GT4 car. Well, he's normally the guy that they put in the big GT3 machine. So I wanted to ask him about getting past and all that. But it's going to have to wait at least a couple more minutes. His co-driver, Daniel Bilski, is ready to take over, but just not quite yet. Well, stay down there for Crystal. Uh, there's another man who's expert around the Nürburgring, Nordschleifer. 
I, 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 will, I will be interested to hear what he's got to say about the, the MG GT4. There's a, a fair degree of um, a consistency between those two cars. There's a couple of ways you can go if you're a manufacturer. You can build your GT4 car and rob a few bits from the GT3s, or you can basically leave your GT4 car close at the stock uh, Mercedes have decided to build a proper race car to GT4 spec. Have you done Nürburgring? No, I have not been mm. done Nürburgring. Sounds like a box you need to tick at I some point, surely. Spent many a lap on the simulator around <laughs> Nürburgring in preparation. <laughs> so. It's even in a streetcar, um, a moderate streetcar, never mind a fast streetcar. It's an extraordinary yeah. place. It, it really is. And I've been very fortunate to be on manuf Manufacturer's Days round there and did a lot with Aston Martin. They let me loose round there. and um, Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Valentino Rossi just jumps to second with that lap. Two minutes, 4.49. That's quicker than he went at any point in practice last year. And 0.8 behind the quickest lap, which is a very, very tasty-looking 203.6 set by that 912 Porsche and the Grello colours with Laurence Vanthor behind the wheel. But that's a great lap from Rossi. Mm, Dries well, Vanthor. Would have been better as there. well if it hadn't that moment at the final corner. So, yeah. More potential to come from Rossi. This new camera angle down at Murray's is great because you see the cars move yeah. a bit more from up yeah. on high. Sir, the braking zone down there certainly has that high frequency bump in it and it, it, you notice it more in the GT car than you do in the supercar because it's so much more stiffly sprung mm. and it actually sets the ABS off so you sort of have, feel like you've got this really solid brake pedal under you and you're pulling the car up nicely and then as the wheel unweights the ABS kicks in and it feels like it runs the car on, it's almost like you're not going to make mm. it to the corner and even that shot that we took of Rossi looked like he was going to overrun the corner and the best thing to do is just get off the brake pedal, throw the thing at the corner and hope it goes around so <laughs> it's not the <laughs> fastest way to do it but it does keep you out of the gravel trap Yes <laughs> Chris Harzo, these are the bumps that Garth was talking about, just the grid boxes there and all of the exit curb it's been a good lap for the Audi driver in car 22, which was quickest in the first two sessions. 2.045 to go third. RS1 around the world for your audio. If you're travelling around today, whether you're here in Australia or further afield, and we'll continue with our audio coverage right across the weekend. Uh, given that we've got uh, extra video coverage, I'm sure many of you are tuned into the stream, but if you do have to travel around, we don't want you distracted when you're driving, or maybe you're somewhere where your bandwidth challenged, then RS1 continues. And we're on FM as well here at the circuit, and that will continue right across the weekend. This uh, early week coverage on the Radio Show Limited Network brought to you by Ned Australian Whiskey. Coming down a halfway through this session, Strikes me, Garth, that these sessions at 40 minutes, they—they really, you cannot afford to get something wrong, can no, you? No, no. You really have to get the car rolling out straight away. 40 minutes is not a lot of time. Um, when you consider it's two minutes for an outlap, two minutes to get back to the pit, so there's four minutes for a run before you actually do mm. any meaningful lap. So you do a two-lap run, there's eight minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you need to make sure, like you say, that everything goes to plan. Otherwise, if you have an issue like the Audi team did in the bronze session and you dump time and you dump laps for one of your drivers, you drop so far behind the eight ball in the early phase of the weekend. So um, I was actually surprised to see 40-minute practice sessions today, given that we usually 
usually have the full 60-minute practice sessions, which will transition to tomorrow morning. But, yeah, 40 minutes, got to get it done early, that's for sure. This is the KTM. Oh, across the metal grate. And a little blow of something out of the Audi engine. KTM running um, in... It's the GT2 KTM. There's a, a number of versions of Austria's finest sports car around. And in terms of race cars, that is the... As I say, the GT2 car, which has got the, the, uh, the extra power. It's a remarkable piece of engineering. And the carbon fibre work that goes into the construction of that thing is just remarkable. The KTM having a serious involvement in the race this year. Last year was a really challenging uh, season of a whole, but this event in particular for David Crampton and Vantage Racing, who owns that car, um, they basically got a couple of sessions into Friday. They had a massive mechanical failure, um, pulled the car, went and borrowed the renter Audi R8 from... Troy Russell and MPC and I ended up, do. they had an unbelievable day in the <laughs> silver class at the end and got on the podium. But um, they've come back this year stronger. They've got some factory KTM assistants in that garage as well. The car now being run by Garth Walden Racing, so really experienced race team looking after it, and they feel like they're in good shape. And included as well in that is Laura Krahammer, who is the development driver for KTM and is immensely experienced in racing those cars uh, up to and including 24 hours, did the 24 hours of Barcelona a couple of times. As I remember, uh, on the uh, on the Kravetnik calendar, and she's very quick, and I think it's interesting that the factory have loaned her to the team to help them get that car set up. It's a, I mean, it's worth the price of admission just to see the cockpit open up, isn't it? Well, it's interesting, uh, dealing with the team and indeed a bit of KTM in the lead-up to the race in my role looking after some of the event media, and I was getting emails from lovely marketing and media person at KTM. Laura Crayham. The same. Yeah. Exactly right. So it's great. Double duties. Great to see them here, and I, I, I hope for David's sake, because he's invested a lot of his own personal time and resource into that program to have that car here. And it's been so popular because it's so wildly different to anything we've seen in the marketplace here. You really want him to be successful with it. And I'm thrilled that KTM's got on board with that program and are helping him out as much as possible. As Chris Harzer just straightens the exit of Murray's, it looks like he's just starting a push lap in car number 22. Already 204.5, this vastly experienced German got plenty of laps in Audi R8s here. Remarkably, he's had no luck in racing situations at this place. He's probably the most experienced guy without jagging anything remotely close to a podium in Bathurst 12-hour that we've had. But he's properly experienced here. You would have worked with him at I've NPC. Done, yeah, yeah. a lot of years working with, with Harsey. And he's a ripping teammate, a really, really nice guy, really quiet and unassuming. You'd think he's an accountant when you spend <laughs> any time with him. But you put him behind. <laughs> the wheel of a Audi R8, and he turns into an animal. So uh, affectionately known as rabbit, given that's the German pronunciation. Well, that's the German word yeah. for a harse is the German yeah. word for rabbit. So here in Australia, his nickname's rabbit. And uh, he backed off at the start of this lap. We're on board. He sort of backed up to try and get some track position. And he, honestly, of all the teammates oh. I've had here in the Audi, he is the fastest across the Really? Top. Yeah. Just well, so yeah. smooth. He's going to get held up on this one. But just so smooth across the top and carries so vortex. much speed. So 
Well, that work that Harsey did at the start of the lap to get some track positions all gone now. And you see there even Christopher giving the Vortex plenty of room, not wanting to get tied up with anything on a Friday afternoon and create any damage to the car. And the scraping that you heard was the bottom of the car clearly, uh, uh, clearly audible as he was coming through and uh, dropping off the top of Skyline before he caught that Vortex. Those Audis across the top are a sight to behold. And I'm looking forward to seeing them in quality trim again. We all talk about the Pirelli shootout last year and that incredible lap, two minutes point double eight one nine set by Maro Engel. And Maro pulled all of that time in the middle sector yep. on his lap. Jules Gounon was actually quicker in the final third of the lap. But he wasn't the quickest person across the top of the mountain in qualifying last year. It was Chaz Mostert in the R8. Yeah. Um, at 30.7 seconds from the cutting to the exit of the elbow, which makes it the quickest middle sector in anything that's ever happened here yeah. officially. So watch out in qualifying. That's where the R8s will make their time when we get to shootout time tomorrow afternoon. And indeed, those, those two sessions. So qualifying simplified this year, which I think is great news for everybody because it was ice cream headache stuff last season. It was an aggregate lap time and we were doing maths on the run, which is never a good thing to do when you're trying to talk to a television. Um, this year, practice six sets the top 50% and the bottom 50% for qualifying. Yeah. Simple as that. Top 10 cars then progress to the shootout in the afternoon, which as it has been for a couple of years, will be the bottom five and then the top. So we'll get a really good rate on that. That fastest 50% of qualifying, so there'll be 15 cars. Any one of those will be able to make the top 10. And most of them will sit in the top 10 at some point at the end yeah. of that session. Yeah. And yeah. that battle to be bumped out the is bump, going to be thrilling. The bump number will be fascinating to yeah. watch as that session progresses to make the top 10. So 15 cars in the top 50% narrowed down to the top 10 for the shootout. So that bump number will become very tight. And, it, and there's quite honestly, there'll be two or th potential for two or three cars to be in as they cross the line, only to be bumped out yeah, as yeah. the rest of the cars come around. So... Thomas Randall, Tom Randall just taking out the triple two AMG, uh, running as it has been uh, for a few years now to raise funds and more importantly to raise awareness for uh, prostate cancer and a fine uh, effort that's been over the last few years to get the information out there and it's not just about Australia, that's his uh, global campaign. You'd not met Tom before Thursday? Um, big fan of yours. He's listened to a lot of our stuff, yeah, quite yeah. clearly, yeah. He's a ripping young bloke. He's top, top guy. He um, was on the podium in the Repco Supercars Championship at the Bend last year, and I've never seen a media centre so excited for a driver to come in for a long time because it was a fresh face, but he's a really engaging young guy, speaks brilliantly. He'll end up taking our jobs at some point in the future, I've got no doubt. Um, very switched on. Completely living the dream as well. And has been through a lot personally to get to this point too, both from a career and a health point of view. So it's a ripping story. And this car, Scott Taylor Motorsport, and full credit to Scott, they've run as a pro-am combination for the last couple of years. As you say, raising money, Scott said, no, do you know what? I'm not keen on driving this year, but I'm going to run my car and I'm going to run it as a pro car. I want to try and win this race. And if you cast your mind back, John Hindoff, you were there, you were driving. Uh, 
2017, the race was won by a Ferrari. Car that was leading a good chunk of that race in the end. Yep. Scott Taylor Motorsport, yep. AMG GT3. Ended up parked against the fence at the top of the mountain and there was some door slamming in pit lane and some words exchanged, but he's been in this position before. He really wants to win this race. So Tom Randall, Cameron Waters, teammates at Tickford Racing and one at C Lounge driving that car as well. Cher Adam is down in the Pearland Forest this afternoon. With someone else who really wants to win this race, Lawrence Vantour, back to the mountain and back to the top of the charts. What is it about this track that you love and it keeps drawing you back? I mean, it's one of the most amazing places uh, on the world to drive a race car. Uh, I mean, if you have this, you have the Nürburgring, the big one, Macau. Those are all tracks where you, when you go out, you start to sweat a bit and you get a bit nervous when you start to push. Uh, sometimes you're happy to box. <laughs> And I haven't won this one yet. I've been close, uh, but it's, it's missing. And, uh, yeah, due to COVID, I wasn't here a couple of years, so I'm happy to be back. Uh, and hopefully we can get that winner's trophy. You've been driving the prototype, the 963. How difficult is it to switch back and forth into the GT car? It's okay. I mean, you get, need a couple of laps, yeah, for sure. But it's... I know it well from the past. I think that helps. Um, if it would be a new car for you, that would probably be, be different. And, uh, but, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy driving boats, to be honest. So, uh, although a 963 around this track would be pretty cool as well, I think. But uh, it's not that big of an issue to change. Critically, you've already gotten a win in the new spec car in a 12-hour race doing it at Sebring last year. How similar do you think the car is with the setup and the progression that you've had over almost a year of development to the car you had at Sebring? Uh, I think it's quite different because, uh, obviously, Ima Mantai, they did a, a lot of work last year and had a lot of success in DTM and got to know the car uh, a lot better. Back then, it was pretty much a new car. So uh, I think they, they are quite sorted. Um, Let's see if it's enough. <laughs> Guys, you talk about great race winners. Lawrence Vantor has won just about everything. As you mentioned, he's still missing Bathurst. Good luck getting that this year. And he will, not, do my best. he will not rest till he gets it. A 9.63 around here, please. Uh, it's, it's nonsense. No, it's not. <laughs> it's so, those cars are so big. They really are. Amazing. We're not going to race them around here, John. We're just wanting to do some laps. Oh, okay. So I thought you were <laughs> suggesting we were going to have a round of a round WMC of WC round here. Well, now you mention it. Well, <laughs> I, I know that Tom Moore of uh, Porsche Motorsport North America is tuned in. One of his uh, favourite races. Tom, uh, thanks for the uh, the comments on the, the earlier session. Uh, you can work on Mr. Penske for us then to, uh, to see if we can get... Actually... I'll probably have a word with the the guys at Jota. They they would certainly come down and, and do Absolutely. that. Absolutely, because you know what they're like. I'd be all about uh, it. And while we're talking about manufacturers, uh, there's already been a couple of sightings of some uh, multimatic personnel. Uh, in the paddock, uh, linked with the 963 because, of course, they build the chassis, uh, and that chassis is now available for other manufacturers as well uh, in terms of the, the top class, which is very interesting. But, of course, they're, I think they're here pretty much with their Ford uh, hats in their back pocket, at least if they're not wearing them. And uh, Scott Bartlett from uh, Ford Motorsport in the U.S. is uh, tuned in. Hello, uh, Mr. B. hope you're enjoying what we're sending out to the world and um, we'd like to see you uh, here next year. It's not about the cutting. Uh, young Turkish driver who comes out of oh. one, mate, Porsche Racing has backed the car up to the Audi Sport cutting. 
and just, just kept it out of the wall. Is he practising the wall ride? It's the tunes oh, wow. at Daytona this weekend. <laughs> it is. And the 500. Is he practising the wall ride for the last lap oh, pass? Oh, wow. It's his first time at Mount Panorama, but... He's a hugely experienced guy in one mate Porsche racing, especially multiple champion in one mate categories. And he's been in Super Cup for a long time as well. Just shifted to GT racing in recent years. There's a couple going on. There is a point I want to make about Lawrence Van Thor as well. But Kelvin van der Linde, predictably on a really good lap. This is it again, Gar. Oh, I lost the rear. <laughs> Scary. Oh, that... Did he hit the wall? No, he didn't. But that's, here we go. Let's. Lost oh, on the down change. Lost the rear. Oh, that screams to me of a driver that's looked at some data of another driver and gone, yeah, well, if he can get around that flat, so can I. <laughs> and maybe just need to work up to that a little yeah, great, bit more. Great in the engineering meeting, not quite so much in reality. Um, Lawrence Vantor, uh, two things with him. The Audi one year, they were, they were significantly down on straight line speed, yeah. and uh, his solution to that was just drive harder across the top. And there was one moment where he had the thing on the rack stops at McPhillip Park, full sideways. Um, the other one was the end of the 2015 race, the Phoenix Racing Audi, where his solution to try and get himself onto the podium, having spent 10 laps bottled up behind a freight train of cars and not been able to pass, was just his barrel around the outside at the elbow. It was that battle with Stefan Mucha at the end of that remarkable Sorry. race. Uh, and Matt Bell in the Bentley. I think oh. he was sick of the Bentley blocking, so he just went utter commitment, fearless driving. And the Belgian, who makes his seventh 12-hour start this year, it's great to have him back and great to hear his passion for it. Tidy entry into the pit lane by Valentino Rossi in the BMW M3. And no point in toodling into the pits, Garth, no. at this point of the week. You, you've got to find out how much time... You can make up there. Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time tuning race cars, looking for tenths of seconds, and there's a huge chunk of time that can be made up on pit entry, particularly here at Bathurst with that entry road and the chicanes coming in. So every time you come into pit lane, the engineers measure your time that it takes you to go from full speed down to 40k an hour. They look at your braking point when you come into the actual pit lane. And they make sure that you don't drop too far under 40 kilometres an hour. And all that's produced in a document that will be talked about tonight in the debrief. So as a driver, you get given a report of how your entry was, how you slowed it down to the 40k an hour sign. And then even then, as you're pulling into the pit box, how quickly or how deep you go into the box and how quickly you can pull the car from 40k to zero in the pit box. So continually working on that because there's no point having the fastest race car if you're giving up two or three seconds every pit stop. The great exponent of that going down through the years was Michael Schumacher. Yeah. He was incredible on the in and out lap. And, and coming into the pits, he would practice relentlessly in the early parts of the week. And if he trashed a set of tyres doing it, well, so be it. There's a lot of cool things to watch in motorsport. Watching an F1 car attack the speed limit line, just using every, you know, the most high-performing racing cars in the world in every aspect, watching them use everything they've got to go from a million miles an hour to 60 or 40 or whatever it might be at the various tracks is pretty special. So Kelvin van der Linde pounding round the 27 South African still fourth at the moment but still the quickest driver overall today the only driver into the twos so far since fourth. This is the KFC Audi, the sister car with Marcus Winkelhock behind the wheel. He's just punched out a 204.6 to go seventh quickest. And great to see that car running well after some sensor issues in practice two earlier this morning. Just looking at the 992 Porsches climbing the hill through 
Tom Cutting then heading up to the top of the mountain. These cars are getting bigger and wider, aren't they? Yeah. They can't get much bigger. They really cannot get much bigger. It's never been easy to pass here. But watching the combined saloons earlier on in an old um, E30 BMW going around, it's about two-thirds of the width of these, of these cars. These are big old beasts to be throwing around, but my goodness, they're spectacular. A lot of that in the paddock between practice sessions were that the, the Porsches look like the ones with the most potential at the moment, so a lot of the rival manufacturers are all looking towards Porsches being the mark to keep an eye on over the course of the 12 hours. That is a new car this yeah. year for yeah. this race. For this, to this event, that's yeah. correct. So even the, even the previous generation car, the Pro-Am car, is looking very, very strong. And this one, Harry King, aboard that at the moment, who turned up at Bathurst last year in the Curra Cup race, never seen the joint before, and went on to win. Yeah. Clean swept the weekend, that's didn't Harry. he, Rich? did, yeah. That's Harry. And, uh, and at the time, I thought, that's strange. Why would you come down just to do a Curra Cup? race and then you see the entry list for this week yeah. and you go, ah, 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 that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> Let's head back to share Adam, we've got just under four minutes to go before the check has come out on FP3 where have you made your way down to now Shay? I came back down to Team 19 to grab a word with Adam Christodoulou and in doing so I actually noticed something interesting because Valentino Rossi was practicing coming into the pits now this wasn't a practice pit stop, this was an opportunity for the team to time the distance between coming into the pit lane, triggering the pit in and then how long it takes to trundle down at the pit lane speed limit to get to the pit exit because there is a minimum mandated time for the event this year. That's something else that we've got to talk about. We, we keep watching up these things that we have to talk about as the sessions go on. Let me see if I can jump in with Adam. Hello, my friend. I last saw you on the other side of the world. Welcome to Mount Panorama. How are you finding it in a GT4 car? Yeah, fun. It's, it's been a few years since I've been here. So last time I was here was in 16, and uh, it's, it's great to be back. It's, it's been a while, and I tell you, <laughs> it's still as scary as I remember it at the, the uh, top of the mountain. But uh, no, I'm just yeah, really happy to be here. And uh, so far, so good. Everything's going well. Uh, we're just working, like I guess everyone on the setup. I think the track's going to come towards the cars, and it will start to, to get quicker. Um, but yeah, it feels like home back in the GT4. Well, yeah, and I mean, the Team 19 entry is only one of four GT4 cars, so on, on paper, good odds for a podium. Uh, but you do have a lot of work to do, and you've got a lot of cars that are going to be passing you. So how does your GT3 expertise help with that and allowing cars to get by when you want them to? It's, it's going to be difficult because, like, once you're up in the mountain, like, realistically, there's almost one lane all the way through there, and those GT3 drivers <laughs> speaking from my own experience um of course they will do anything to get past without losing any time and so i remember last time i was here like it's super difficult through the top and uh, and some of them are super aggressive but it's one of those you've got to keep one eye on the mirror at all times and uh, obviously when they are behind you you just got to push as fast as you can so you don't hold them up uh, but i guess it's going to be the same for everyone they're always going to want to overtake uh as they come over the brow because of course the next four or five corners you can't do a thing and that's for them it's frustrating it's the same for us at the Nürburgring like this it's, it's like an intense part of the Nürburgring at the top of the hill so uh, and, and we have it there where you're just trying to thread your way through as smoothly as possible genuine question though does it help that you have so many friends wearing the exact same logo in those faster cars they might give you a bit more space whereas perhaps some of the other brands wouldn't I've got a feeling, if anything, they'll be screaming louder for us to get out of the way. Um, because for us, the thing is, like, we're obviously just going flat out all the time, and it's them that will be holding up 
uh, if, if anything. And so uh, it's, it's one of those where we're all fighting our own race and it's damage limitation with time lost at the, at the top of the hill. You had terrible travel getting to Daytona. Did you make it here okay? Oh, here was a lot easier. So, um, yeah, Daytona. It was a nightmare. It took me, I had four cancelled flights and then I missed one due to a delay. And it was meant to be uh, one stopover in Frankfurt because I was on holiday at the time in India and uh, and then straight to Miami. And it turned into, I took five flights in the end and then on the way back it was a lot easier. So actually, I don't have any jet lag because I ended up in Sri Lanka uh, two weeks ago and then I went to Bali last week and I've come over to Sydney now because I knew I was coming in this direction. So I was like, well, I may as well enjoy the travel. It's freezing at home right now so uh yeah make the best of it good luck this weekend thank you very much rough life isn't it john oh yeah when i grew up i want to be adam christatolo uh more porsche sideways action garth tander uh, spookily similar to what we saw earlier on even though that was a 991 rather than a 992 yeah and they're seeing it even again there from the bmw as well so with these higher track temperatures and the ambient temperature being much higher the cars are all trending towards oversteer which at this stage of the weekend, it's not so bad because yeah. as the track rubbers in, the cars hook up and you'll, we, we heard from Adam there saying, oh, we feel like the truck's going to come to us. And that's what they mean when they, the track rubbers in and it gets more grip in it. The cars tend to generate more rear grip. So at this stage of the weekend, you've got a car that's a little bit taily. It's not the end of the world. You don't want it a whole lot more taily than it was for Charles Erickson, <laughs> though, in there we saw at the end of that interview with Shay. But... But um, another Porsche now makes its way towards the top half of the top ten. So there's three Porsches here this weekend, and they're uh, all in the top eight. So That's a good luck from Ericsson, too. First time here and first time for Phantom Global Racing making their debut, operating out of China, but the race team being run by Timo Bernhard's Team 75, which is an awesome race team out of Europe. So it's a real international operation. I saw Alex Gibbo, who's the head of Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific here. Um, Barry Hay, the head of Porsche Motorsport Australia, is here as well. So uh, Stuttgart are very keen to win at Mount Panorama again, hence the Manti EMA partnership with two cars and having Phantom Global here. And um, we mentioned earlier today, if you weren't with us, Taiwanese team Hub Auto, unfortunately not being able to make it, some massive shipping difficulties. They got so close to getting a, a replacement car here. Unfortunately, they weren't able to make it, but they'll be back. Still a strong three-car attack from we, Porsche. We had uh, Alex Gibo, uh, he was here at, at, at uh, Bathurst, but ringing the midweek motorsport on Wednesday when Krilzy and I were doing it from the press room. He is absolutely on fire for this race. Uh, head of Port, uh, Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific. And they've done such a lot to develop talent in that region, uh, particularly through the troubled times where the, the world was shut down. They kept racing. And the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia Pacific this year looking absolutely stacked they've, with talent. They've got three genuine chances. And in fact, the, the Pro-Am car, which is the older model car... I went through and did some real geek balance of performance notes on that, and it's ex almost exactly the same spec as last year. So the performance of that car, in theory, shouldn't be any different to what it was, getting the new tyre right aside, than it was, that's the Shell V-Power car we're talking about last year. It's a car that finished second outright. It did ones in the final stanza of the race. It is a very good race car, and with someone like Harry King behind the wheel, you mentioned his success in Carrera Cup, again, you get that car as a pro-am car. You get them to the end in that battle for the win at the end of the race on the lead lap. They are as good a shot as anybody else. But it will be their teammate, the Grello Manti EMA Porsche, that 
ends up on top at the end of a very rapid practice session here at Mount Panorama for the Repco Bathurst 12-hour practice number three complete. And into the threes again in that session for Lawrence Vantor it was who did the time. Brock Feeney and Will Brown in the end for National Storage Racing. The Triple Eight car popped up to second. Porsche in third. Ericsson did the lap there. Valentino Rossi's time from early on. Stewart P4 for the Doctor. The birthday boy as well. Mara Engel for Grupa M popping up there as well. So the blue numbers on this timing screen uh, donate silver class entries. So the Conduras brothers with Davey Russell and former race winner John O. Webb in 13th. Uh, Heart of Racing by SBS on top in Pro-Am. Good performance by them. And then the Invitational class with the pink numbers all the way down to the Janetta that rounded out the 30 cars that started the day and that remain with us as we go back and have a look at some highlights of the third practice session and what's been a quick-fire day of action in short, sharp, punchy practice sessions at Mount Panorama. And as we were talking about early on, you want to get, you want to get your drivers settled you want to get them into the groove Mara Engel doesn't need much uh, teaching about how to go around here but even that you want to get a couple of laps under your wheels get some cares under your wheels Garth and feel like you're part of the event you've done all the PR stuff leading up to this yeah you just want to get some laps in today some good solid clean laps so that when you're going through the data tonight and going through the vision and you lay your head on the pillow to go to bed, you can just have a bit of a clearer understanding of what lays ahead of you tomorrow when it starts to get a little bit more serious. So for drivers like Mauro Engel, who we know is going to be fast tomorrow when it really, really matters, it's just a matter of just preloading a little bit of information as a race car driver. So um, the rest of the teams that have got combinations here with... You know, drivers that are here for the first time, for example, that they are a platinum or a marquee driver, they need to find the limits exactly like what we saw here with the Mante EMA Porsche. Just looking for the limit, maybe just stepping over a little bit there on the entry to the cutting and getting away with it. So it's just building that database today, not doing anything silly. We still continue to now go three sessions in with no red flags, no real incidents to speak of. He said so it, not touch me. Touch wood, boys. So far, so good. Yeah, Chan Goven, totally broadside, going up into the cutting and just staying out of the wall. He'd have made himself a bit unpopular if he'd uh, clipped that. But he survives, no harm, no foul. Doesn't get away with it because we've got video today and everybody saw what happened. Bit of a storm front heading this way. We'll keep you appraised of that as we go through the afternoon. One more 40-minute session to come this fast Friday in our early week coverage with Ned Australian Whiskey on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of audio and video channels. Uh, that will be bronze drivers back in in the cars, uh, so a slightly reduced number of cars out on track, giving them the opportunity to fine-tune themselves and maybe just uh, peak their performance and, more importantly, their confidence as we go into Saturday. Just trailing ahead a little bit for Saturday, the two Saturday morning sessions, again, we'll have those on the World Feed stream uh, and here in Australia before we start our network television coverage at midday Bathurst time here on Saturday. So plenty to look forward to. Uh, we are going to step away for a moment or two and start scratching our heads and crunching some numbers and working out where the advantage, if there are advantages to be had, try and work out where they are. As we continue with our 
Friday coverage here at Mount Panorama Bathurst for the 24, uh, the 2024 Repcor Bathurst 12 hours. See you soon. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.